Hi everyone, welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about dog ownership, but my guest Usher does. Usher, thank you for joining the show again. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here again. So, you just got a dog very recently. What the hell do you know about this? I know what it means to own a dog. I didn't know before, and now I know. You know, <laughs> two weeks, two days could really teach a person a lot. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of people, you know, people recognize that they don't really have expertise in something. But once they start doing something, they love to share that experience. Yeah. So that's really what this is about, sharing the experience. Not the expertise, although I could give uh, some tips and tricks and everything like that. But, yeah, I think I'm doing all right as a dog owner. Nice. And you got your uh, dog with you right now. She's very yes. cute. I can, uh, can't tell that she's a she. I just heard you say that before. The only thing I could tell is that it's brown and that it's cute. What kind of dog is it and what is its name? Well, she's red with white markings. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess that looks brownish on the camera. By red, she's like a ginger. You know, she has a uh-huh. little bit orange tint. Got it. Um, she's not like Clifford red, you know, or fire truck red. She is red. Um, she is a Cavapoo. Cava so she's Yeah, she's a designer breed, which okay. we'll talk. We'll get into a little bit about that, about finding dogs and uh-huh. mills and fun things like that. But she's a designer breed, and she's a mix of a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, uh-huh. which is a breed, and a poodle. And you know, just getting, just just jumping ahead to saying a story we'll talk about is yeah. poodle breeds. Poodle breeds are desirable, and people look for them generally because poodles are very smart dogs. Uh huh. And poodles also are hypoallergenic dogs. They don't ah. shed. So the reason poodle mixes are very designer and very in vogue now is that they're very easy to own. Yeah. Because of that, you know, there's no shedding or cleanup. It does makes things makes the ownership experience a breeze. It's like you know your first car is an automatic. Yeah. Or your first car comes with a vacuum inside it, or your first car doesn't need a wash. Yeah. It's a, it's very much like a car, is what I'm saying. <laughs> And she's she's got that kind of teddy bear look. I've been seeing that a bunch now. Oh yeah, it's, it's a good it's look. It's popular. It's big. It's a good look. Um, she's very small. She weighs four pounds, so uh-huh. she's easy carry. And one of the things I've actually trained her first, I could show you here, is you know generally carrying her. When I stick my hand underneath her, uh-huh. she climbs right up onto my arm into the nook, so I'm able to carry her. And she uh-huh. actually enjoys. She she flanks one of her four legs over. Uh, the outside of my arm, one of the inside of my arm, and the same for the hind legs. And I'm able to carry with one hand. It's very easy to deal with. Nice. And she actually enjoys being in position. She nuzzles up right under my arm <laughs> uh, in the crook of my elbow, and she, you know, she'll she'll lick lick me a few times and then just conk out because that's what puppies do. They conk out a lot. Wow. And mm-hmm. uh, and what's her name? Her name is Maple Almond. Wow. Just Maple is what she goes maple by. Maple short is when she's being nutty. You want to yell at her. I actually don't know too many dogs with a middle name or a last name. What do you consider it? A middle name or a last name? I think it's a last So I wanted a last name. I wanted to add Crunch. <laughs> Maple Almond Crunch. But yeah, I've, I've seen dogs with middle names. Like, a, you know, it's a cute thing, sort of. You know, you give it a second name. It, that's You only call it by the first name, but the second name is like a, I don't know. Like, if you're upset. Like butter, Butterface <laughs> Sprinkles or whatever. Yeah, you had a second one. You just you go with the first one, but you had the second just uh, as a joke name, I guess. All right, so Maple Almond is that a? So you named her after her colors. Named her colors. Well, my wife is a is a Vermont native, uh-huh. so 
she wanted a ma- dog named Maple for maple syrup. Uh-huh. The color was was lucky. You know, we did want a brown dog, but getting a red one was very good. She's got beautiful, soft, very red fur. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so the name Maple was really changed. The name Almond, actually, <laughs> I, I don't know why. I thought she was being nutty, and I wanted to add it, and I thought, I don't know. It was just Almonds were on my mind at the time. Uh-huh. So that was my contribution to the naming. Okay. And that's actually, you know, it's one of the important parts of dog ownership is you want to pick a name you're happy with. Yeah. You know, because not everything you own gets a name. Yeah. Well, you could if you want to. You could name things, but a name also means it's something that responds to the name. I guess you name, I guess we name devices now. So I guess that changes everything. (laughs) Uh, They respond to the name. We call Alexa, whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Well, that's because they respond. So your your theory is correct. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So she responds, <laughs> but also that that was one of the first things that you know, first part of training was training her name. You know, training her that's to, to respond or come or re- just generally react to her name. Uh huh. So let's see if let's see if it works. Maple. Nope. You know, she kind of looks forward a little bit. She's she's not gonna turn her head to me. There she goes. She's okay. tired. All she's right. Shy. All right. <laughs> if I put her down, she'll come or react. But that's a, it's a fun thing, you know, you kind of bribe them into learning a lot of behaviors. Yeah. And I kind of got into this, uh, ooh, the whole, uh, I was about to say Skinnerian conditioning. No, it's not Skinner. It's, what's his name? Who's the conditioning guy? How come the name the is The conditioning guy from what? There's general psychology, the person who, the doc, the, the guy who's credited with coming up with conditioning, you know, just basic oh, conditioning. Oh, Pavlov? Yeah. You got a Pavlov, Pavlov dog. Yeah, yeah. Pavlovian. Pavlovian conditioning. You got to use a lot of bells to make it a real Pavlov. So yeah, you bells, use food, bells. I, and saliva. I use the clicker for a little bit. I have a little purple clicker that when I click, she expects a treat from. Uh huh. So you you give the command as soon as it's done, you click and give the treat. Ah. And it's instead of saying "good girl," giving praise is in addition to the treat, and eventually they just start doing it. What's the clicker? So, is it just like a click, like a like a ballpoint pen type of click, or? Yeah, it's a ballpoint pen type of click. It's a little bit louder. It's sort of a you know a th- it's a thumb activated device. Oh, it's, it's like, like a, a metal spring loaded thing that you click and it makes a, a click sound. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's it's what they call in the training where they call it a marker. Uh huh. So you gotta you start with the marker, you know, and then you move up to the command itself. Wow. And so the first training thing you do is click and give a treat. You know, no 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 behavior necessary. Just click. Here's food. So when they hear a click, they expect something good. It's so cool. Yeah, it's real, and it really, really works. It's amazing. It's amazing how small their brains are. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, I, I mean, it works on it's analogous to to our brains. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like you, you know that you're doing it, so it's like so interesting. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. humans do that on a, a deep level too, but um, only some people specifically use those techniques to to train people to respond. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, those are just things we pick up naturally. Um, yep. You know, brain reward pathways. If I do something, it feels good, and then you know. But uh, yeah, it's so it's cool. You're you're carrying out a, a real Pavlov experiment. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm salivating at the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, no, it's, at it's some point, a, do you think that the uh, the clicks are are hypnotizing you at the same time? So like every time you click it, you're training yourself to do something. You might not know what it is. Yeah, that. It might be I'm training the click to, to give something after. Um, the problem is, so with with her, it's easy to get the click and get into a rhythm when training. 
um, it's difficult. It's more difficult for me to remember to use the clicker when training. Ah. It's sort of that sort of that coordination of having a, a clicker in one hand, a uh, treat ready in the other, and being able to do it. Because if you if you do it wrong, you know, you click and don't give the treat, you're kind of working backwards. You're kind yeah. of saying it's a setback. So that has made it that I don't necessarily enjoy that technique the most. It's very effective. Yeah. But it's also kind of difficult and takes, you know, it takes a lot of practice to, to, to master. So I think uh, I got turned off by it a little mm. bit more so than turned on because of that. I think it's a cool technique, though, and I don't know oh, yeah. any other people. I, I, like, that's like a novel concept to me. I feel like I don't, I don't know too many dog owners that use the clicker method. Is that a common? or? It's very common. Wow. I guess ask around among dog owners. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, all right, cool. So you want to talk about training first? You want to talk about the whole process of how you even found the dog? What, what, what was that like? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, well, even before I got married, my wife said she wanted a dog at some point, and I wasn't against it. I know a lot of people who own dogs. My brothers have dogs. I I enjoy the company of dogs. Uh -huh. I like walking in the morning. So yes. all these things really, really lined up for me for a positive. So it was a matter of you know finding it. The first thing was you know deciding on a breed. Um, like I said, I we ended up with this poodle mix that does not shed that wasn't so much of a concern for me you know i wouldn't have minded a large sheddy dog but my wife was more particular in what she wanted you know she wanted a small dog uh -huh. she wanted it to be hypoallergenic and she wanted to be in a poodle family because friends of hers and people she knows are happy with their poodles and poodles she knows are happy with her <laughs> so that made the decision to go with cavapoo uh relatively easy there are other ones other cockapoos sheepoos all these other small poodle breeds that that are around cockapoo's but, a funnier uh, name so i feel yeah, like it's a cocker spaniel poodle yeah there's a cavalier spaniel poodle it's a little bit different um yeah but yeah all these names are great because they end in poo and poo i had a friend when i worked at geico right in 2007 or 2008 um her name was Cassie, and Cassie said her favorite word, a word that always makes her laugh, is poo. Because <laughs> poo is just a funny word. And sometimes you just like, just be doing, like, we, we'd have phone calls and stuff saying shit, she'd throw poo out, and that always uh -huh. was great. Yeah, so it's a good she word. Liked the word poo. It's so a very good, good word. It's really, it's it's very, Underused. you know. Underused. It's onomatopoeia. Uh huh. And it, it's one of those words that's, that, you know, hits all the senses just right. Uh -huh. It sounds like it smells bad. It sounds <laughs> funny. It it makes a sound itself because it has that hard P. You know, you need a little uh, in the screen to say it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those word. naturally comedic words. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is up there. So, so you that, knew that you wanted a, the was, uh, was, a poodle, yeah. some type of poodle that was hypoallergenic. That was the. Uh, and on the smaller parameters. side. Okay. On the small side. Um, when it comes to dogs, you know, one of the first things you, they differentiate them by in terms of uh, if you're selecting something for your dog, buying anything for your dog, or doing anything for the dog online, or even at your vet, or people ask you, the first thing is the actual dog, not the breed, but the size. Mm -hmm. And they come in small, medium, large, and extra large, just like t-shirts. Really? Yeah. So there's <laughs> no, that's actually not, there's not, there's toy. So toy is less than 12 pounds. I think 12 to 20 is small. 
or 25 to to 50 is medium 50 and larger is a 50 to 100 is large and then over 100 or over 125 is extra large are they sized by current puppy weight or are they sized by future dog weight they're sized by uh, potential weight okay expected weight i guess um you know what do you expect the breeds you know that's that's what people choose breeds for they want a dog of a certain size among other characteristics, but the first thing they organize them is by size. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the highest level um, classification. I can't say classification. I don't even know what to call it. Classification? Yeah. Why not? Well, I guess it's classification by size, yeah. And then within the sizes, you have the different breeds within the sizes, so that was it. Um, I was against the toy. You see them more often. People carry them more, but uh, a full-size dog that weighs less than five pounds, I'm kind of scared of stepping on. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, dogs also aren't aware of their own size, and it's something you learn very quickly. Large dogs think they're very small. Small dogs think they're very large. Really, they don't think anything like that. Dogs have no <laughs> concept of size. Um, I, I, like they, dogs, it's very funny. Like when they go through, through doorways or they go through small small spaces, they can't really judge how wide they actually are. They won't attempt to go through open doors because they, they, I, I'll, I'll say think. You know, I'm being uh-huh. anthropomorphic. But they don't realize they could fit through small things. So they think they're larger than they are. I think they're smaller than they are. They try to go into smaller places. That's very. Also, the most interesting thing about a dog, and thing that has really been a pleasure with this one, is dogs have no concept of time. <laughs> so, like with any small thing, any, any living thing, like a child, it doesn't like to be left alone. Like you, you hear parents with their with babies have a uh, trouble, you know, letting it cry itself to cry themselves to sleep, uh-huh. or something like that. So dogs cry. Well, they're left alone. They'll do that, but you have to be able to leave your dog alone. And I realized, you know, after a little bit, like after ten minutes, like, oh, she just stopped. And if I come back in eleven minutes, not like, oh, you came back when I stopped. Or if I come back in three hours, mm-hmm. the crying ended at a certain point. She had no concept of time. There's no nothing like that. It's yeah. really very, very interesting. And that's something you'll hear uh, in the training world and just mm-hmm. among dog owners as well. They don't really have a concept of time. And there are a lot of songs about leaving dogs alone. Oh yeah, like what? Like hey, Nick teacher, Nack, leave Patty that Wack. dog alone. <laughs> Give a dog a bone. <laughs> Give a dog a bone. <laughs> leave the dog alone. That's been a point of contention in our first few weeks of ownership is whether she give the dog a bone or not. I feel like you should. There's a lot of songs about that. Yeah, there's a lot of songs about that. It's, it's, it's in pop culture. It's one of the most important things in cartoons. Dogs and bones go together like a like a dog and a bone. Yeah, what's the argument yeah. against giving the dog a bone? Well, uh, certain bones could splinter. Cause oh. damage to dogs, um, so you want a harder bone. Um, Get a harder bone a, and replace it. If it gets like destroyed, you shouldn't give it. I'm sorry. Saying just like you know, keep an eye on it. If it, it gets all like fucked up, then just get a new bone. Oh, splintery. Yeah, that's the thing with her. I'm partic- not particular. She still has baby teeth, so teeth fall out. Mm-hmm. She's a mammal. She has a full set behind it. So the the smaller teeth, the you'll hear the talk among dog enthusiasts of uh, razor teeth on puppies because uh-huh. I feel like really small sharp things that are actually softer and that's one of the first challenges we had in, was in terms of uh, you know finding the right food the, k- the kibble we were given by the breeder that we used was a little too hard for her mm-hmm. I think he just generally uses it at his shop because it's just what he has a lot of he yeah. feeds that to his puppies but the kibble was uh, small like small pebble but they're pretty hard and she had difficulties chewing it, so we changed to a, um, a softer food to start, and she's been enjoying that more and eating more. And I can't really tell you if that's a thing of her enjoying the food more 
or her just becoming used to her environs and being more comfortable and just eating more. Right. Right. Yeah, it's really you'll really never know. Yeah. But what you'll what you'll know what you'll only notice is changes. You know, they don't talk or tell you what's wrong, but you'll notice things are things change. So it's very interesting. It's a very observant um an observant endeavor. Yeah. So we we got off track from the process. So so you you know what like what size and what what type of dog you wanted mm-hmm. to get. So what's the next step? Uh, next up is going looking. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that happened over the first last two months was we would walk around and we'd pass pet stores. And the pet stores in my neighborhood where I live, they all have uh, dogs up for adoption. And I live in Philadelphia. It's in a city. And what you see in a lot of city uh, adoptions and city rescues are pit bull mixes. Mm-hmm. And one thing she did not want was any pit bull mix. In addition to the shedding, it was just pit bulls have this uh, uh, notorious reputation that they're kind of they can be violent uh, and dangerous. Um, I've dealt with pit bull mixes in the past, just among other people. I don't like. I'm sure it's true statistically, but I think uh, you know there's there's bad there's bad dogs and there's more often a bad owner. Yeah, so all it has else. to do the training usually, right? Yeah, good train. Well trained dog is a well trained dog. Um, but so yeah, so around here, all the rescues were 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 that. So in terms of finding a dog or finding a desirable dog, you're not going to find it in a rescue. The, when a dog is desirable, people are not really so easy to give them up. And when they do give them up, they'll give them up to someone who will take them right away, as opposed to the dogs that are up for adoption that there's a reason people aren't taking them. Mm-hmm. You know, either there's a, a malady, on a, there's something wrong with the dog, there's something just, it's, it's not desirable for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, so we went looking. And one of the things we learned is when you go looking, you go online and you start searching is, Dogs can be pretty expensive for a designer breed or for yeah. you know for any breed because there's a lot of irreputable uh, breeders out there. Mm-hmm. So there's certification costs now involved in them in all these kennel associations in the United States and different humanitarian organizations. You know, uh-huh. certifying these things like oh, okay, it's okay to buy it from this person. No, they're not abusing the dogs. One of the are these are these third party non governmental certification organizations? Yes. That's and, incredible. And I can't believe doing, something like that would work. work. That's so work they, who knew that found, someone besides the government work. could certify things. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Really happy mm-hmm. to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the system works. So you kind of look for certain certifications, but I realized online was a lot of these certifications, the main thing people are fearful of, even with the certification, is like, you know, you're still buying from a breeder and there is an overpopulation problem to begin with. Yeah. You know, and you know, there's there are these dogs that need rescuing. They're going to be euthanized if nothing else. You know, right. we're gonna we're gonna kill the the oh, this poor girl. We're gonna we're gonna kill you know just the dog population because the population is you know dangerous to have so many. It's it's just not good. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not society. It's not something society really wants. You know, we want to control our pet population, have your pets spayed and neutered. Yeah, survival Bob of Barker the cutest. Said so. Bob Barker, one of the best <laughs> dog owner names ever. <laughs> I never even right. thought about that. It, it would be great. Imagine if, imagine if you name a dog Bob. Barker. Oh it's man, it's a really good dog name. That's too. why he did it. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Why, I think it's his given name. It wow. was actually Robert Rucker. but then yeah. he said it was like Scooby Doo. Bob Barker. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So, so, so there's no population problem. So the thing that I noticed and something that bothered me was okay. There's overpopulation problem, but then there's humanitarian organizations and all these this movement towards you know finding a reputable breeder. It's like 
okay, you're, you're saying there's no population problem, but you also say go to this person. Is this person helping the population? Are you doing the right thing? Maybe. I really don't know. I watch, watch a lot of Judge Judy. She's a big, you know, <laughs> also a big dog advocate and things like that. So what I learned was, like, okay, how do you spot a mill? What makes someone a bad beater? What are some of the mm-hmm. cruel things that these organizations are really trying to stop? What are the cruel... What is the animal cruelty involved that makes these in, that makes puppy mills inhumane? So one of the things is first, you know, the conditions of the of the the breeding ground itself. Yeah. You know, okay. So the condition is it is it clean? Is it dirty? Are animals well fed? Are they being tortured? Are they allowed free range or something like that? You know, free range animals versus that. That was step one. Next thing is okay. How are um how is the breeding happening? It was a mother breeding in a healthy way that's good yeah. for. This uh, this uh, dame, so you know, is is a bre- is is having litter once a year. Is having litters in old age, which is also physically tolling. Mm-hmm. Is having how many puppies is that before? Is that allowing time to recover? Is it being separated from its puppies right away? You know, different things that are you know generally cruel to a mother animal and also to the father animal. You know, is the father animal? You know, the father wants to go ahead and breed, but is he just being kept in a cage all day and then just being allowed mm-hmm. out to you know inseminate? or whatever just to breed so we got very lucky i started searching online and just looking and unfortunately where i live in pennsylvania um near lancaster county there's there's actually a very bad reputation among uh people of a certain religious bend Mm -hmm. that you know don't believe in generally animal cruelty you know they treat animals like property so you know an animal is a, a thing to be used it's simply a commodity you know and it's there's no sort of humanity or humanitarian beliefs behind it. So among that certain population, among you know, a lot of Amish farmers and things like that, you know, they just breed dogs to no end and they're known for their puppy mills. Yeah. So around and they'll then they'll make you designer dogs. You know, they'll they'll breed to whatever you want. So um, one of the things when you search online is look out for is, you know, go go see the operation. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these puppy mills, what they'll do is they'll consolidate and they'll send all their puppies to foster homes, uh-huh. which is just another house of relatives thing that raises the puppy, and you don't ever, never actually see the operation behind it. Uh-huh. You know, it's very nice. You know, it's a pastoral sort of uh, yeah. way of buying a dog. It's like, oh, this dog, these puppies, these three puppies, all from the same litter. We're not actually born here. We're born ten miles down the road, but they're being raised really, really well. Right. You don't see the conditions they're born in or anything like that. You don't see the mill. You don't see the factory. Right. You know, you, you don't see where the magic happens. Um. So I called around, you know, I asked to see, and a lot of them were foster homes, and also among the reputable breeders, they find online, a lot of them say, well, you can't visit, you know, it's like you order it and we'll deliver, or we order it and we'll arrange for you to pick it up. Uh-huh. And that's what you do if you find online, it's sight unseen, but we really wanted to meet our dog before. So I ended up, you know, just being patient with it and calling whenever I saw, just searching, you know, calf a poo near me, uh-huh. you know, and I'd get a lot of these breeders and I'd be like, oh, that's a no-no, that's a no-go. Is there and a website that collates all the dogs for sale, or that you go that on each separate? Dogs, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the way any business works. You know, someone's someone's collating, someone's aggregating. Yeah. You know, you're big on aggregation. It's you always got to aggregate. Do. You always got to aggregate. But what I found was, you know, I went on Facebook and I found Facebook groups of you know people posting privately. You know, they have they have this and they have that, or you know, they're smaller breeders. Not they're not they're not big enough to actually do the milling yet. Mm. Or it's like, hey, this is my puppies. This is my you know, I just, I'm trying my hand at breeding, or which is also, you know, not not for the faint of heart, but you know, there are Facebook groups about that. But one of the things I found was, you know, I was able to like 
find, you know, not the the top first page of the Google search, but someone selling it. And I found this guy named John Schmucker, a Mennonite guy actually in Lancaster. That's a and name. And my biggest fear when I heard his Mennonite was this is another mill. But when I called him up about the dog he had posted online, he had a page with four puppies on it. So wait, he used the telephone. He uses the cell. He uses the cell phone. I oh. paid him via Venmo. He's wow. Mennonite, not Amish. Um, uh, modern Amish. Modern Amish. Yeah, I guess. Modernish. That. Yeah, Modernovich. Um, <laughs> he uh, he called. He said, "Okay, come out and visit." You know, he's about an hour away from where we live. So we drove out on a Friday afternoon, and we saw the operation. It turns out he's a chicken farmer. Uh huh. So he, who knows how humane that is? But he he separates chickens from their eggs every day by the uh-huh. thousands. It was a giant coop, and uh, he, he was there with his kids. And he well, Joe, Joe Rogan the... says it, it's very humane. I mean, yeah. it, it could be very humane if there's mm-hmm. no rooster, and the you know the eggs are never um, uh, whatever the word is. It's not inseminated, but um, mm-hmm. you know, so they're they're basically laying an egg every day, and that egg isn't doing anything. So like. It's a benign egg. It's a benign egg. He call, uh, Rogan calls it eggs guilt-free protein. Guilt-free protein. So that, so there it was. He was, he was a chicken farmer, but he was there with his three young kids. Um, he introduced us to the mother and the father. Uh, he has three breeding pairs. He has a working farm, and he has several dogs that he uses on the farm. He also has dogs in a kennel that he, he breeds. But he showed us the operation. He said, "This is the kennel. The kennel looks super clean. Oh wow! And he really cares for his wife. Takes care. It was really like he had a he has a he has a thing going. And it, there was heating for the winter. It was really it was fascinating the operation that he uh-huh. had. And he's and he us to the mother. And he said, "This is her her second litter. She's three years old. I don't know what I don't remember the details. One it was like it kind of made us happy and felt we felt confident buying from that. It wasn't a mill uh-huh. based on the research that I did." And just given that, you know, look, if if he was hiding things from me, and he was in fact a mill, you know, more power to him in terms of tricking me, because he, <laughs> he, he's part of some kennel clubs and things like that. I don't know what these things actually mean, but we went ahead, and uh, that Friday, we saw we saw her on a Friday. Uh-huh. We put a deposit because our apartment was not dog ready, and we didn't have all the equipment yet, and then Tuesday rolled around, so four, three, three, four days later, we went and picked up maple her name was naomi uh-huh. her given name so we have to that's change not a her dog name. name that's a wolf name. um that's a wolf name naomi naomi wolf isn't that a person possibly <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but naomi is a uh, naomi it was her original name her sister her, her litter mate was nala uh-huh um nala was white with brown spots it's more and, of a lion name yeah when we went to oh they're all end names apparently the whole litter was end names and that's just how he names his litters that he was able to keep track of them you know every yeah. litter born on April whatever so she's born sometime in April she's twelve weeks on Tuesday or she was twelve weeks on Tuesday so I can't do the math right now yeah um, late April uh huh um and yeah so we we met her and the thing that happened was we didn't know which one we were taking home we were seeing the litter. And there are these two girls, Naomi and Nala. And that's another thing. Jen wanted a female dog, not a male dog. Don't ask me why, but okay. You know, you can't say good boy to a girl. You can say good girl. You can say good girl. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. It kind of rolls. Oh, she just reacted to that. <laughs> when I say good girl, she reacts to that. Um, so, yeah, so we met them. And 
Maple came walking over before Nala did. Nala was very shy and kind of in the corner and didn't really approach when we came. Maple came running at us, uh-huh. you know, and seeing a puppy at that age, you know, all three and a half pounds of it running at you uh-huh. is really uh, heartbreaking and heart rendering. You really can't do anything about it. Right then, you knew you had to get it. <laughs> so that's that was our first meeting, and then when Tuesday came around, we picked up John and handed me this puppy, like put her in my arms for the first time. I was like, here, here, she's yours, and she kind of melted into me. You know, she. And that was it. We drove right home. She sat in Jen's lap the whole way home. And we were going from there. And that that led to the next part of it. You know, the bringing a dog home, which is Uh a whole other experience. And what was that like? And what were those uh, preparations you said you had to make to get dog ready? Okay, so the preparations were having food, having bowls, having leashes, having the collars, and also having a place for your dog. So the first thing I learned was all about crate training. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, early on, you know, you, what you want to do is train your dog, you know, to go to a crate, you know, to go to a cage and enjoy its time and enjoy her time in the cage. And, you know, to like to not a puppy's going to have accidents in the house. They're going to go wherever they want to go because they don't really know. So you want it to confine it to an area where it won't go because it knows it, can't, it won't go there because, you know, it just doesn't shit where it eats. Yeah. So you kind of want to bring it to a place where it eats and everything like that. And I could show you on the camera. I have a little corner thing right there. Uh-huh. There's a little pen with an open door. There's a bowl of food, a bowl of water, toys, and a bed. Uh-huh. And she sits there all day long, happily. You know? And she has already taken care of when we could see her. And if I leave the room, she'll cry for five minutes and then just quiet down and just go back to her enjoying herself. How, how'd you get, how did you train her to, to go in there and stay there with the door open? So the door, we, we, we kind of coaxed her in there with treats, you know, high-value treats. Uh, peanut butter, cheese Whiz are the big ones. Um... You know, just peanut butter is her favorite thing uh-huh. in the wide world. So just a spoonful of peanut butter, bring it there, and once she gets in there, treat her more, say, in high praise, you know, and give her love when she goes in, you know, pet her and everything like that. Shut up the door and pet her, and when she does desirable things, you know, reward and and just keep reinf- positive reinforcement of that good behavior. And that's really what it is, this constant positive reinforcement of good behavior. You got lucky so, with a, a, a ginger dog that wasn't allergic to peanut butter. I feel like gingers yeah, are gingers often allergic, allergic to, to peanut butter. Yeah, so so yeah. you got very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we got very, very lucky. So she wasn't allergic to peanut butter. And then also, um, so crate training is first thing. There's also a second crate that we have, a sleeping crate. This is the daytime crate. Uh-huh. Um, and a sleeping crate where it's a little bit of a smaller area. has a, has a top to it. Mm-hmm. Just one swing door, and that's for you know overnights or even longer periods. Because mm. that also it's a little more confined. But the idea is to actually extend the area throughout. So she's gotten to the point where she now has an occasional accident in two weeks. Like I think we had one this week mm-hmm. in total, where she knows we kind of it's it's really all about setting a regimen. You know, I wake up at seven, we go for our walk. Uh, two hours, she eats her breakfast, and two hours later, we go for a walk. And it's an important thing that I learned about breakfast is feeding time. Uh-huh. That, you know, at 7 o'clock she gets her food. By the time we go out for a walk at 9, her food will not be there after 9. Mm-hmm. So she has two hours to get it done, to eat it, and that's encouraged her to eat more. And she's kind of realized that. And then dinner time is 5 to 7 p.m. After 7 p.m., she's not getting any more food. But she's getting plenty of nutrition, exactly what she needs, and gets her water after every walk. Um so it's kind of regimenting that and training that and trying to reinforce the good behaviors by just modeling those behaviors that you enjoy. 
and eventually they get used to it and you know they they live with it and that's really what house training house training is just just taking her out don't not letting her do it that's what house training is right yeah just don't let it happen and then you'll train it to not happen wow you know, that's really good the other thing is you know there's there's leash training there's all these outside stimuluses and walking around the city and everything like that is just general training you know just getting used to like okay or walking don't go in front of me you have to follow me so while I'll model that behavior. I'll get her in her sit and say, come, or say, heal when I start walking and reward her for walking with me and also reward her for not passing me, for staying, you know, flanking me and things like that. And one of the, the hardest things is, is my job to, you know, walk her in the morning and, and kind of train her and do these things is that to other so it looks like the dog likes me more. Yeah. Like she follows me if I'm not holding the leash and someone else is holding the leash. And I step forward, she'll run after me, and she'll just she bonded to me. And it's not something you ever want to untrain is that bond yeah. between you and, and your dog. So it's kind of like, oh, she likes me. I was like, no, she doesn't like me more. You know, she was just trained to do it. You do it more, she'll start doing it with you. Mm-hmm. And that's really all it comes down to. You know, but yeah, it was really really nice, and she's very good because she's she's bred actually as a lap dog, uh-huh. which is another thing. She's not active. She has very small legs. She doesn't need as much exercise as other dogs, so she's a lap dog. She'll sit on your lap, and she's mm-hmm. happy to sit on a lap, and she she looks for that. She's very, very affectionate, just an affectionate dog. Wow. And just a people lover, and she plays well with others. That's amazing. And, mm-hmm. and so um, are you the primary dog walker? How often do you walk the dog? Um, I walk the dog in the morning. Two times in the afternoon, more two times at night, one time. So five times a day. Wow. Now, that's also because it's summer. And also because yeah. she's a puppy and still learning. So we have to take her out constantly, you know, just to teach her not to go inside. It's part of the house training. So, you know, as a dog gets older, you might go to two walks. Also, smaller dogs have smaller bladders. So they got to go more frequently. Another reason why a lot of people like large dogs. Um, one of the things I regret doing is I kind of gave her a pee pad for a little bit to avoid accidents. I thought I'd be too busy to do all this. And I let her go inside, and that's a big mistake, because letting her uh, go anywhere inside was kind of like a, a bad signal. So we've stopped that. Um, I don't know, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Wow, so even and, even and with the uh, without the pee pads, like, she's pretty good, at, you know, once every couple of weeks has an accident, but otherwise just goes outside? Yeah, she'll go outside. She'll wait to go out. Um... Her problem is we go out. We live in an apartment. We're a long hallway from our elevator. She had an accident going to. Don't tell any neighbors, but she had an accident <laughs> going to the elevator. You know, she started peeing as she got out of the apartment. So that's sort of something we have to try to like you know tell her she can't do that. You know, it is outside, and I I won't be surprised if other dogs did before. So it smelled like a bathroom. So she felt uh-huh. like she was doing the right thing. You know, they do have a. They do have that sixth sense. Dog, okay, Joe Rogan said, and this is something I truly believe, and it's uh-huh. amazing. Dogs communicate telepathically. Yeah, yeah, That's they might. That's the only way to communicate. Saying a name is one thing. Dogs just know what's happening or what you're thinking before they even do it. I've noticed it with her already in terms of how I'm walking to a corner. Like, I'll see a car coming, and she'll be like, oh, that car's coming too quick, and she'll stop. Before I think about stopping, she'll, like, pull to my right side. I trained her to walk on my left. She'll pull to my right to get further away from the car. Yeah, she'll like feel it coming before I do. Um, I won't. She won't even know I'm at the door. She won't even know I'm coming home, but she'll know. Like Jen will say, she she was moving around five minutes when you pulled into the parking lot. Really? Yeah, they just know. 
they I don't know what it is, and they know it from a distance. It's I mean, I think it's probably like a, a mixture between very strong smell and very strong hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a sixth sense too. Yeah, it could be. There definitely there definitely <laughs> is some and there's some sort of human bond. Like there's a reason to call him man's best friend is that there's there is this unnoticed bond. I don't think it smells. I I, I smell is a very big part of it, but. It just doesn't make sense that it's all smells. There's got to be something else. Yeah. There's a mental connection that they have that we've lost. There's got to be something. There's ancient wisdom there. Uh-huh. That's There's... really cool. Mm-hmm. I used to want a dog once upon a time. I kind of talked mm-hmm. myself out of it for a bunch of reasons. But, mm-hmm. like, how how does it feel? Like, this is one of the reasons. How does it feel yeah. walking around the block... With an animal, watching it take a shit, bending down behind it, scooping it into a bag, carrying it till you get back home, like 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 what is that? And, and like, is it's, your it's dog laughing at you? This, you're not bending down behind <laughs> it to pick up. You're not walking around with a buck with a shovel behind it as it goes. You know, you after it goes, you move it to the side and you pick it up. However, you got to pick it up. You got to do what you got to do. It's not a great feeling, but I got a clip on the leash that you know I have to hold it in my hand. Okay. Uh, garbages are plenty where we are, so I'm able to find a place to toss it. You know, it's a it, it's a chore. Granted, yeah. you know, it doesn't feel great, but I don't know. It's kind of a it's kind of worth it. It's worth it. It's kind of worth it. You know, you get you get this the first time when I came back in and she did the running to the door, barking and shaking her tail was an amazing amazing feeling wow it really it's very rewarding you know it's it's really unconditional it's a great way to be that's awesome mm-hmm. that was a good feeling you know, i just gotta get to the advanced tricks unfortunately she's not as athletic <laughs> as i wanted her to be that's okay one, one of the other reasons i kind of talk myself out of it i, I know you um enjoy keeping a clean house how do you have a mm-hmm. dog and keep the house clean? I, obviously, the dog is well, hypoallergenic, that's, that's a good so that part helps. About crate training. It, it kind of keeps them in their place a little bit. Uh, she's hypoallergenic, so she doesn't shed. And, when that, and keeping her clean is another chore. You know, that's the third mm. thing is you know you gotta give her her bath. Uh, there's different schools of thought. Once a week, every two weeks, once a month, whatever it is, you do what's you do you. You know, it's like whatever. What you're schedule are you doing? What? What schedule are you doing? We're doing once a week because Jen's also pretty sensitive about the clean house. Yeah. Um, the, the good thing is, the thing is, also, it's also where she walks, you know? Your dog is walking around on a street outside and then coming back in the house. She's rubbing all over the place. Right. It's a matter of, you know, her activities. If she's going to roll around in dirt or going to jump in a lake, yeah. then, yeah, you're going to want to give the bath right away. If she's generally, you know, I just she took a walk. You know, dogs don't sweat, you know, mm-hmm. but she took a walk. She wasn't rolling around. No, she's good for today. Uh, we don't let her in the bed. Um, she is the lap dog. You know, she has her places she's allowed to be, but she's generally pretty clean. And she's she's smelling. When we first got her, she did not smell great. Mm-hmm. She had this puppy smell, but she had a farm. she smelled like a farm because she was raised on a chicken farm, so she oh, smelled like a chicken farm. Interesting. So it actually, the first shower it was still there, uh-huh. and then the second bath. It finally kind of dissipated, so now she has um, what people call puppy breath. I don't know what to compare it to, but it's a very distinct a animal smell. No, they're tuna animals. Fish, animals. Uh, tuna fish breath? Animals smell like animals. Is it like the tuna fish breath that those uh, dogs with the whiskers have? No, that's 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 old. Uh, that's mutt smell. 
<laughs> Those dogs that eat garbage. Uh, um, I can't. She, so we haven't fed her from the table yet. I can't wait to feed her steak. Oh really, wow! Really excited about that. I just wanted to eat right. I like I like the big raw food stuff. So I want to see her do that because she can. Uh huh. I'm really proud of things that could do that. Yeah. What can't she eat? Chocolate and what else? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm look. We're not feeding her a lot of of those things. I know she likes peanut butter and cheese. She likes chicken and chicken soup. We put some chicken soup on her kibble the other day. Man, did she like that? Uh huh. And she loves beef. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> um, she likes lamb and fish. Like the treats we have are lamb and fish based. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The handyman in the building, the the maintenance guy, his name's Howard. Uh, he looks like a walrus. Uh huh. Without the teeth, he just got the mustache. <laughs> he has no teeth, or he just doesn't have walrus teeth. He doesn't have walrus teeth. He has regular person teeth, but he looks like a walrus. <laughs> he also has folds in the skin in certain places. He's uh-huh. he's really he's ha- he's Howard the walrus. Uh, Howard, when he sees dogs in the building in the elevator, will has a keeps a pocket of uh, dehydrated chicken. Oh, so she likes her dehydrated chicken a lot. Um, I'm sure she loves bacon, but we haven't had any yet. Um, yeah. You got to be careful around people who walk around with dog treats, like that guy that in Central Park from a few years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that starts with international incident. You know, you know, you don't want to start a whole incident, so just watch out for people without dogs that have dog treats. So. No one expects an inquisition. <laughs> um, cool. What are some things that surprised you now that you have a dog that you didn't expect going in? Um, what surprised me? Um, how quickly she learns. Uh huh. How quickly she bonded and just wanted to be, you know, part of the family. The pack instinct, I guess, is what they call it. That they want to be with us. Um, when she, when I walk her alone, she'll kind of she'll sit on her own. She'll get lonely. She won't really, she won't necessarily follow right away. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll take some coaxing or, you know. But when I walk with my wife and we're with her with the dog, she'll follow us instantly because the pack is all there. Her home is moving. Yeah. So it's real that that has really I never realized something like that. That was I thought if she's a good walker, she's a good walker. She'll walk with anybody. Uh-huh. But that was really surprising. Um, the thing that surprised me most, like I said, when I came home and she she wagged her tail at me, that was yeah. very surprising, and that was that was a very good feeling. I understood everything then. Wow. That was eye opening. That was really that's revel- revelatory. That's a tough word. Yeah, revelatory. Yeah. Um, how quickly she took the house training really surprised me that she doesn't want to go inside that she she's actually signaled to us you know when she's in her crate and the door is closed she'll she'll like hit the crate in a certain way different than i would just want to go out as opposed to i gotta go Mm -hmm. you know it's really really interesting and that was very you know really really i'm not gonna call it smart i don't like using these anthropomorphic names it's not really really, anthropomorphic they have brains they are thinking they have intelligence yeah they haven't i guess they do yeah, I guess it's some intelligence. Okay. <laughs> the thing that I saw is, uh, you know, their brains are developed very, very quickly. So they're as smart as they're going to be when they're as young as they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't really get smarter two years from now. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. You could you could do that. You, anyone could be conditioned. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it not easier to condition them when they're puppies than when they're old dogs? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've the saying must come from dog. somewhere, right? 
The saying must come from somewhere, but I guess maybe that saying might predate Pavlovian conditioning. Oh, wow. Could be. Could be. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some common misconceptions that people have about dog ownership? Common misconceptions people have. Um, people think anyone... Well, I, I, I'm a believer anyone could do anything. Yeah. That when it comes to things that people, if it's something that everyone does, anyone can do it. Yes. And like drive, people <laughs> say they can't drive. I'm like, no, every, this idiot drives. He drives. Yeah. Everyone can drive. That's a good point. You can't, you can't drive. You haven't really tried. You know, every, any idiot can own a dog. Yeah. It doesn't really take a lot. Like cooking. Like people say, I can't cook. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like no, did you, you try? Tried. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's on fire. You know, it's like the funniest thing happened. Yes, we have barbecues on the second floor. These grills, they're gas grills. They're auto light. You know, press the button, they light up. But the, all the igniters are busted. Because they've been out there for five years, uh -huh. you know, and no one's replaced it. They they should do maintenance on it. They should fix it. They don't work. So most people bring those barbecue lighters, you know, light the gas, you stick your hand in. Because uh -huh. these are built into to units, you know, uh -huh. there's no hole on the side. You stick your stick it in and do it. And you know me, I'm not a lighter guy, I'm a match guy. You know? I'm a fire guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I bring a box of matches in my pocket, I throw them, I, I turn the gas, I throw a match in, and kaboom, we're we're grilling. And I don't understand how that's more dangerous than holding a lighter, no matter how long, if it's three inches long or 12 inches long, I don't know how long a lighter could actually get. I don't see what's the difference of that. And, okay, here's a match. I lit it. I'm tossing it from a foot away or well, two feet away. Who's saying that away. it's more dangerous? People are frightened. <laughs> They're scared shitless about me doing this thing. I'm like, okay. And then I turned off all the gas. I said, watch this. And I lit a match and I dropped it in with no gas on and I turned on the gas and the grill went up in a second I'm like oh like, <laughs> oh that's not dangerous at all I'm like yeah of course it's not dangerous um interesting I'm sorry what was that what was that a response to uh, misconceptions about dog ownership misconceptions <laughs> about dog ownership yeah um it was a good story about a grill though I I I, I wonder if yeah. it ties in somehow okay uh it it definitely definitely does um Oh, old dog, new tricks, and then we're talking about cooking. That's how it tied in. Uh, oh, yeah. People, people are afraid of just trying things. There's doing something. Like, they do something one way because they think it's the way to do it, and then you realize, wait, there's a million ways to skin a cat. You know, you could you could do the same thing another way. I don't need a lighter. I have a match. Yeah. You know, I, I have the same tools. I, I have all that. Um, yeah. Misconceptions? I don't know. I don't know what people misconceive. You know, people understand, like, it's the, the trope when children have dogs. It's a big responsibility, you know. You gotta walk it and feed it every day. You know, yeah, that's that's not a misconception. That's a conception. You know? <laughs> it's like, hey, it's not mis dis and misinformation. What's the yeah. difference? <laughs> Those are disconceptions. There's like a third uh, one also, right? There's misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. malinformation. Mal yeah. Is there a malconception? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people misconceive. I think I think the stereotypes. So, the thing that I okay, I misconceive the misconception I have the stereotypes aren't all true, you know the uh, about dogs about about the love you get and about all that. No, those are all true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all true. It's all true. Everything you've heard is true. There's no misconceptions. Okay. Yeah, uh, the misconception I have is Instagram. Instagramming is not that easy. Oh, are Man, you getting the dog its own Instagram account? Is that the what's yeah, happening? Yeah, it's not that easy. <laughs> I, I just I don't I'm not a content creator and I've resigned myself to that. I think it takes uh it, it's a personality among people who be content creators, and it's a it's sort of a it's I don't know I just haven't tried it. 
I've wanted to. I I can't bring myself around to do it. <laughs> and she, she she okay. So when I walk on the street, she sells herself like she's just. Everyone's like, oh my god, it's the cutest dog I've ever seen. Can I say hi? Uh-huh. Or can I pet your dog? I get that nonstop. I don't love it. Sometimes Jen Do you gets like it, it like sometimes? We, Does it help you meet pet. people around town? Yeah, it's a way to meet people, but I'm not in that game. Um, but, you know, you're walking. Like we Today we were walking in a farmer's market, and we passed somebody. And now they're we passed them, so we're now they're about 5 to 10 feet behind us. And they turn around and say, oh my god, the dog is so cute. And I won't react. I'll say no. Let's keep going. Jen will turn around. Are you talking about my dog? You want to say hi, and she'll bring her back over. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's a different personality. She's the type to to reach out to people. That do that. I'm the type to say, I don't care. I, you missed your chance. If you would have bent down as we're walking or got our attention as we're walking, I would have stopped. But now I'm not. Got it. You know, there's different uh, different walking personalities. <laughs> are, yeah. are people without dogs missing out? Oh yeah. Everyone should do it once. I mean, I can't say do it and give up. I hope you commit to it one day. So it's your really recommendation good. If is I do everybody all the guys, I, I hate to say this. I, I've always wanted a bigger dog, but it's not bad having a small dog. Uh huh. Like, this is. Look what I'm doing now. Look, I'm just petting her. <laughs> just playing with her hair. She's fast asleep on my lap. And it doesn't matter. It just feels nice. It's really, really good. It's super calming. I feel better already. Oh, man. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Absolutely think, amazing. Uh, I don't know. I hope I hope that this content is good. This content creation is something you're you're taking on. Well, in and a... In a really doing it. 4,000 4, views? No, no, no. 400. Wow. <laughs> Uh, but steadily growing, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't consider myself a, a content creator. I guess that's what I'm doing, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really have like a social media Instagram game. Is that what you're trying to do? I'm not trying. I haven't tried yet. I, w- I, <laughs> I kind of want to. There's also the photography aspects. We got to be yeah. good at it. And dog, photog- dog photography is hard. Um, dogs don't look at cameras. Ah, yeah, there's not the type to do that. Uh, you have to entice them to do it. You have it. to have well-positioned treats and and take mm-hmm. a quick succession of shots. Motivations. Excuse me. I learned a lot about motivations, animal motivations. Some are food motivated. Some are play motivated, praise motivated. Now she doesn't love her toys. Like she'll do it, but she won't come chasing after them just yet. She's kind of food motivated, but she doesn't know everything is food yet. Uh huh. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. She doesn't try to eat everything, assuming it's food. She's the opposite. Uh no, she's not. Uh, she's not nibbling on everything. She'll. She likes uh, raggedy things. Mm-hmm. So strings and ropes are, are edges of the carpet. Gotcha. Or edges of a rug. Those are her favorite things. Um, we did get her a teething toy, like a hard rubber rubber bone or whatever. Um, Give the dog a bone. Yeah, give the dog a bone. It's bone shaped. It could have been anything. Um, <laughs> neighbors in our building brought their dog named Griffin, who's six months. Uh huh. Um, Griffin a had a, a yak chew, which is like a, a a log of hard cheese, I guess. I don't uh-huh. know what it was, but it was yak based. <laughs> <laughs> it was yak based cheese. Yak based cheese. I don't know if it was cheese or a bone or whatever it was, but it was a nice treat, and he really enjoyed it. Okay. But he was taking his time. You know, these things last long. You know, some dogs will devour and crush 
the bone of rib steak, others will take their sweet time with it. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Do you think having yeah. a dog is good preparation for someday having a kid? No. <laughs> it's bad preparation for having a kid. The training is completely different. The so you're not calling yourself different. a dog dad? I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> I walked into a pet store and I said, oh, she's sitting on her daddy's foot. I'm like, what's oh that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I yeah, feel you. I there. don't enjoy that. No, I'm a, I'm a master. <laughs> Does that make the dog the slave? Yes. It makes him um, no, not slave. You know, servant. <laughs> okay. Master and servant, not slave. You know, she's dogs don't have a concept of money. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are are socialist by nature. <laughs> No, they're not. They don't share anything. Dogs are very... They're selfish by nature. Yeah. Yeah, they get aggressive around food, apparently. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, they don't have a concept of ownership. That is what I meant. Ah, okay, okay. Everything is theirs if they want it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's yours if you want it. Uh, Something I really want to know is, is your dog vaccinated for COVID? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going through vaccine stages. Um... I don't. <laughs> I don't care. Jen's really into getting dogs vaccines. Um, is, it like, into, uh, uh, is it like a debated subject? She likes, or? Me- she likes medicine. She likes the science. Um, if we're up to me, eh, let her get the vaccines. They say there are dangerous diseases dogs can get. There's uh-huh. rabies and things like that. There's one. There are things. Other things I'm not as worried about. I don't need all these treatments. Right? Dewormers, okay. She eats poop and eats grass. So yeah, a dewormer is a good thing. Um, no, she's not vaccinated for COVID. I'm just following. <laughs> I'm following the gen- I'm following the bare minimum of what all vets say. Uh huh. You know? And I, even that, I don't really care. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think uh, the vets are. You know, I, I don't know how big pet pharma oh, is, pet but it doesn't. Is, a scam. is it? Uh, apparently, yeah. So it's like uh, I think I, I was looking it over. Um, I think in terms of premium, monthly premium, uh, if I had one healthy visit per year, I wouldn't even get my premium back. I think I need like two real sick visits to get a premium back mm-hmm. to make insurance worthwhile. And I don't anticipate any serious illnesses, so I don't think it was worth the premium. But is it is the insurance just for health visits? Does it also cover injury or death or is something co- stealing? So the insurance only covers in- injuries. That's the insurance covers. It doesn't cover wellness, and the biggest expense is wellness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you pay extra for that, and that makes it not worth it. So it was, you know, just doing consumer reports and just doing general research. Be like, nah, I think we'll be all right. It's an expense we could afford. It's not say gone. Yeah. And yeah. All right. Well. Usher, we're getting to the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what is one thing, if you had to choose only one thing, that you want me and all of our listeners to know about dog ownership? Um, all the stereotypes are true. <laughs> so whatever you hear about good and bad, they're all true. You know, it is a chore. It is hard to do. It is time-consuming. It's also extremely rewarding. Companionship is like none other and it's a great adventure so it's all true so you should just know it's true now i know now you know <laughs> <laughs>